0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Kingdom Podcast, a podcast out of the Young Adults Ministry of Life Church New Jersey. This podcast is a fundamental part of the heartbeat of what it means to truly counter the culture. In a world that's constantly vying for our attention and pulling us in every direction, we believe that grounding ourselves in the teachings of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of the church is not simply a choice, but a necessity. We want to tackle what it truly means to be followers in a world that is often marked by confusion, noise, and conflicting values. This podcast will be a collection of our Friday gatherings where we read scripture, tackle ideas, learn the truth of the faith, and then apply it to our daily lives. We hope that this podcast serves as a jumping off point into the deeper things of God and ultimately helps you begin to encounter Jesus and then counter the culture. This is an unbelievably foundational doctrine, the doctrine of the Trinity. So tonight our talk is the relationship at the center of the universe. And quite literally, I chose those words very, very purposefully. The relationship at the very center of the universe. So at the beginning, so it's nice and clear, so that no one has any confusion, I'm going to give you the plain statement of what Christianity for 2,000 years across every nation on the planet right now that has Christianity, if they are Orthodox Christians, meaning they proclaim the gospel of Jesus and they're not a cult, right? And they are not, uh, they're not—they're in line with the teachings of 2,000 years. This is what we believe about our God. Amen? So the doctrine of the Trinity, right at the beginning, so you can just leave after this, all right? This is all you need. I'm just kidding. Don't leave. That was all. The doctrine of the Trinity is... One, there is one divine being called God. One divine being called God, and only one. Only one being called God. Okay? Then, the second part is this being of God is shared. Can you say shared? Shared. The being of God is shared in three distinct eternal persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These words are extremely purposeful. Three distinct eternal persons. And then number three, each person of this trinity is equally divine and equally God. So that's all there is to it. We can go home. It's enough to simply print out a piece of paper and take it home with you and be like, wow, all right, cool. How does this affect my life? But trust me, it does. When you understand this information... More than just words, but you look through the words to see the reality it describes, it's pretty unbelievable. So this might help us to know this intellectually, right? This helps us to understand it in our mind. But tonight I want to help us journey through experiencing this, experiencing how the Trinity shapes our understanding about God, okay? And how Jesus himself in the Bible speaks about God, his Father, and his own nature, So let's start at level one tonight, all right? Finding the Trinity. Many people might throw this at you that the Trinity is not in the Bible, right? People might throw that at you very haphazardly and not really think it through, and then you might get confused by that statement. So let's find the Trinity, okay? So what is at the center of the universe, right? So some scientists will tell you it's a supermassive black hole, like what's at the center of our galaxy, Black hole, right? They'll tell you a literal definition of what is at the center. And maybe you have some friends in your life, right? (laughs) Who act like like the center of their own universe, right? Everything revolves around them and they're a little bit egotistical, or maybe that's you. Maybe that's a word for you tonight, right? But what is at the center of your universe? What's the center of all of our universes? The one we share. Christianity actually proposes something pretty profound. At the center of the universe, is a relationship. Can you say a relationship? Relationship. When you spend enough time with that phrase, years and years, it will really begin to rock your life and bring you closer to the God that you worship. At the center of everything is a relationship, okay? And you may have never heard it put that way, but that's okay. I'll break that down. The uh, the theologian Daryl Johnson says this, um, and it's really helpful. At the center of the universe is a relationship. This relationship has always been, and it will always be. Out of this relationship, we were made. For this relationship, we were made. Out of this relationship, we were redeemed. For this relationship, we were redeemed. This affirmation lies at the very center, the heart. Of the Christian faith, right? And that means it's at the heart of the gospel or the good news of Jesus, right? So God, in his very essence, is not just a being, but he is a. Yep, you got it. Nice and loud. Relationship. Say it one more time. He is a. It's okay. We can be confident about who God is. Amen. A relationship that we find our true identity in. Okay? So this might be confusing at first. Well, you thought God was simply God. You know, he's all powerful. He's, he's the grand puppet master. He kind of makes things happen, and he's my savior. And maybe you're trying to combine all these different words and figure out which comes first, which one matters, right? Of course, we're, we're building a puzzle, as we said last week, right? So although God has always been in a relationship, he is in a trinity of a relationship. So you're saying... Some of us might hear that and we might say, well, isn't God three gods then? If you're saying Trinity, try three, isn't that just mean he's three gods, right? No. Right? He's one God. Yes, but he's also also three gods. No. So how is this actually possible, right? Three is not one, and one is not three. Right? No matter what you do, you're not gonna figure that out mathematically. Even in the Christian faith, the Trinity, while it's the most fundamental belief about who God is, it's actually a very, very embarrassing doctrine to unbelievers or towards unbelievers. And in history, the Trinity has actually been a source of embarrassment in some ways. Because at the very core of Christianity, non-Christians will say, it's absurd. At the very core of your faith, it's just absurdity. One is not three. Three is not one. Are you serious? Come on, guys. It's just like having a, a virgin birth. It's just like having a God wrapped in flesh. It's all absurd. That's what the people will say to us, right? They'll say that the Trinity is not just absurd. It's not simple. You think the gospel is simple, they say, right? But even though the actual word of the Trinity is not found in the Bible, this doctrine itself is not entirely man-made. That's what you'll hear sometimes. You'll hear the idea that the doctrine of the Trinity, well, it's just man-made. It's actually just human philosophy. You know, you're just reading it onto the Bible. Jesus never says anything like this. This is all just white men in robes in the 300s, you know, concocting things for the rest of us to fall under its spell. Ludicrous. Don't believe those lies. Read the Bible for yourself. Amen? So the, do- the doctrine of the Trinity is not entirely man-made. Remember, we said doctrine is in Scripture, separate, and then we pull it out of Scripture like a trellis, right, like a structure, and we connect them, right? But they are in Scripture, okay? So it's actually from the very words and witness of Jesus that we find some of the greatest clues to the fact that God is not just one whole God and no other distinctions, It's actually, there's a beautiful kaleidoscope of God's personhood in the Bible. So we go to the words of Jesus himself. And many of us know this. This is the great commission. This is the end of the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus says to all of us as Christians what to do. This is his commissioning us. And he says, go and make disciples, Christians, of all nations. Some nations? No, all nations, right? All people. Baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing you see that's very interesting in the third line? Firstly, the most important thing you can see, it's very distracting. It's like, make disciples, therefore go, all nations, baptizing them. But actually, we don't acknowledge the fact that Jesus says, baptize them in the name, not the names It's the name of God. The name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. They share a relationship and they share a name. Absolutely. Right? So it's not just here. Right? Jesus is telling us that the living God has a new name. So we just actually sang a song about the names of God. All of those are true. Those are names that God has given us. And those are names that we have spoken about God and how he has... Saved us, delivered us, but then the actual being of God is being presented here, right? One name, three distinct persons. So it's not just God. It's actually not just Yahweh. This is actually the most pure revelation of God's character and being in the Gospels. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen? So it's not just here that, God, that Jesus reveals that God is three, though. Jesus speaks all throughout the Gospels in his teachings about God's threefoldness, right? Is threeness, okay? But you gotta be careful with these words, right? It's tough. Trust me. It's like I'm dancing a tightrope right here, okay? He even declares, Jesus declares himself, that Jesus himself is meant to be considered along with God's divinity, which was absolutely shocking for a man to say that, right? Many times the people around him wanted to stone him and kill him for that blasphemy. Jesus goes on throughout the Gospel of John to say this. Look at these radical statements. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is down here on earth, and he says, I and the Father are one. He is laying claim to the idea that he and the Perfect, divine God, the creator of all heaven and earth, and him are one. The one who has seen me, that's Jesus, has seen the Father. If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. These are either the most lunacy-filled phrases, the most the most unbelievable lies at the center of history, or they are the deepest and most profound windows to the truth. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He's saying, the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, will send the Holy Spirit in his name? No, my name. And he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I have said to you. This is absolutely profound what Jesus is doing here. He's not only speaking as, of God as his father, which he does many times, right? This beautiful, intimate language that Jesus speaks about his father and their relationship, but he's introducing a brand new, unbelievably dense and peculiar level of intimacy that people, and I think us today as well, can't really wrap our heads around this. So you, you don't just have intimacy with God You and the Father are one. You and the Father are somehow one. You are somehow connected, not only in will, but in being, right? You could imagine why people wanted to kill this man, but he's not saying anything wrong or evil. He's just stating truth, amen? So he's saying the living God, the one at the center of the universe, they are connected, So the question of how these verses, right, these peculiar verses, and then this one, the question about these verses, how did they make sense? What is Jesus really doing here? That journey, that project is what led the early church, 1,800 years ago, to actually create the word Trinity out of the Greek language and out of the Latin language. They needed a word that described this that they had never discovered before. Everyone with me, okay? So the word Trinity is not in the Bible, right? But it describes something that is deeply interwoven in the biblical account. Everyone with me, right? So you can tell that to everyone who comes against you now, okay? You know the difference. Don't get caught up in those tiny little foxes that are so easily taken care of, right? So the word Trinity describes the threefoldness of God's nature. Put simpler, okay? This is simple. But I like this. Trinity is simply God's way of being God. Trinity is simply God's way of being God. And God is one. I like this one too. God is one, but God is not alone. I really love that. I love the feeling of that because that's pretty solid. God is one, but God is not alone. And trust me, this will have some effect on your actual life towards the end. Trust me on that. So not only the message of Jesus, but all throughout the story of the Bible, we see, right, footprints and track marks made by the Trinity, by our God. Though it's not explicitly revealed through the passages of Scripture, we see so many different times, right? I can't go into them all, but I've got some resources here if you're interested. But from Genesis, right from the very beginning, where the Bible records God himself saying, right, Let us create humanity in our image. From the very beginning, you see this, right? The Bible does not hide the fact that God is revealing himself more and more as the narrative of the Bible goes on and as history moves closer to Jesus. See, you start with God way up there, God the creator, God that weaves everything together, all of time, all of fabric, and he raises up you and me out of the dust of the earth. He creates woman from the rib and the side of man so that they are equal together in nature, right? Made in the image of God. But you still have this beautiful intimacy with God, but Adam does not know God's name. Adam does not know God's name. Eve does not know God's name. They are with him in intimacy, but they do not know his name. They know of him. They are walking with him, but there is still that separation. God is still the creator, and then you see the weaving through the story of history and all the different times where God reveals himself on the Mount of Sinai, right, with the covenant, and then to Moses in the burning bush, I am that I am, Yahweh, right, all these different moments, Jehovah Jireh, your provider, right, El Shaddai. The Bible does not hide the fact that God is continuing to reveal himself in name, but now we get to the idea that God is revealing himself in nature. He's actually not just telling us who he is, but he's actually telling us what he's like, what God is like. So with Jesus at his baptism in Matthew 3, 16 to 17, we see the Trinity in action, right? Turn there next time you're in your Bible. The Spirit of God, like a dove, descends on Jesus, the Father speaks over him out loud so that everyone can hear that Jesus is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. The Trinity is acting together in that moment. So Jesus is the final and the perfect revelation of God, and he's revealing in that moment the greater relationship at the very center of everything. So there's many, many Bible verses that I can't get into now that talk about the astonishing relationship of the Trinity. And Paul, the apostle, alludes to a lot of them. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter, Titus, and uh, Romans, all of them. Uh, That's Peter as well, 1 Peter. All of them allude to the Trinity in so many beautiful ways. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. But when I really think about this fact, honestly, my brain begins to hurt. If you actually sat and thought about existence, you know, beyond your reality, your, your brain begins to hurt because many times we're really only meant to handle the things we can see, amen? And when we think about these things, we need God's help, but give it time and you'll start to see it makes some sense. So we've found the Trinity. What does it mean to now unravel a little bit of the Trinity? So if the Trinity is not actually too hard to find, threads of it, pieces of it, windows of it in the scripture, okay? If it's not too hard to find, how does the Trinity of God work? So you might say to yourself, oh, come on, this is God. Don't tell me that you, a man, or us people can really know about God. Like, don't box God in. God is spirit. Don't box him in, you know, like theology, boo, all that, right? All right, don't worry. We're allowing pure, wonderful mystery to still remain, but the doctrines of the Christian faith hold up. Amen? And they are purposeful, and God speaks to them for a reason. So, this is a question that has mystified people for thousands of years. So, we can do our best to understand this, but we're still going to have many gaps, and that's okay. But once again, Daryl Johnson says this The Trinitarian nature of God is a supreme mystery. A supreme mystery. Can you say mystery? A mystery. But a mystery is something which no rational argument can ultimately demonstrate. But mystery doesn't have to mean absurdity. We may not be able to fully explain the Trinity, but that doesn't mean it's absurd and false. They don't mean the same thing, right? Many times today in our world, what you think you don't understand, you just believe can't exist. And that's actually irrational, it's actually lazy, and it's very modern of us. Right? Actually, there might be a whole lot of mystery here, but we can still understand pieces of it. Okay? So, as we said before, the doctrine of the Trinity is that there is one divine being called God, and only one. Okay? The being of God is shared by three distinct persons. And we'll explain what that means. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So each person of the Trinity is equally divine and equally God. Equally divine, equally God. Here's a trick. Okay? The unity and then the trinity of God's nature and essence have to be held together. Because like a rubber band, it's going to want to expand. It's going to want to give a little bit of tension. It's kind of like three sides of a triangle. And you're trying to hold all three together, but they constantly want to expand outward. It's a tension point. It's a tension. You have to hold this intention. The fact that there is unity and also trinity and I'll explain why. And this is, I know we're getting heady here tonight. But many times, I really believe that young adult programs really need to go a little bit deeper and treat you like adults that can handle the headier things of life. Amen? Sometimes I'll, I get a little bit tired of like, yeah, just follow God. And that's all, I, that's all you're telling me to do. It's like, yes, but I want to know more about the God I follow. Amen? I want to know more about the deep things. Paul says that, right? It's not enough anymore to just know the, the milk. It's actually good for us to have solid food, amen, in teaching. So each person of the Trinity is equally divine and God. So if any one of these persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if either any one of those three persons is overemphasized or underemphasized, you get a distortion, okay? Now we're going to get into a little bit of distortion area, okay? If this is the doctrine of the Trinity, what does it look like when it's distorted, Okay? The first distortion throughout history has been firstly called modalism. And listen, beyond this night, you might never remember this word, but that's okay. The point is that you know what's the effect. What is actually the effect? Because these are in churches that you know. Okay, Modalism is in the Bible when God actually wears a mask and it looks like Jesus. What does that mean? It means when Jesus or the Holy Spirit is in operation, that false view is that that's not actually Jesus. It's not actually the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father. Simply choosing to appear like Jesus, appear like the Holy Spirit, but with a mask, okay, or a mode, okay? That actually means that God the Father is really the all-powerful God in the mix, right? Okay, he's the one actually speaking to you, and it's just through the form or the mode of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And you might think to yourself, well, who believes this? A lot of people, a lot of people, and this is heresy and false teaching. And when we talk about that, we're not talking about, oh, you know, slight, small little things that we squabble about. Like, this is, this is hell or heaven stuff. That's what the Bible teaches. Like, you believe rightly about God, And that's the ticket. So this God is one, but it is three persons. And God the Father is not higher or greater than Jesus or the Holy Spirit. He does not use a mask or a mode to communicate, okay? So to deny this or to to deny the Trinity and go into this direction, it's kind of like the triangle, right? And you're pushing one aspect. You're overemphasizing the Father, right? Because this actually diminishes Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So vice versa, right? In this distortion, God the Father is overemphasized and it diminishes Jesus. So the second distortion is a big word, subordinationism. So it's subordinate, okay? In this, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are less than the Father. They are lesser gods than the Father, okay? And you'll hear this right on YouTube, right throughout preaching. You'll hear this. You have to watch this. You have to be aware, okay? This wacky view denies the three persons of the Trinity are equally divine, right? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are divine. Uh Uh-huh, sure, I'm following you. But they're less divine than the Father. They have a lesser divinity. Not by much, come on, it's not by much, but it's a lesser divinity, right? And even more than that, this believes... That Jesus and the Holy Spirit are created divine beings by the Father. No. This is the view held by the Mormon Church. This is the view held by the Jehovah's Witnesses Church and the Spanish Church of Christ. They have denied the ultimate Trinity and they have taken a subordinationist view of the Trinity, right? That God the Father is supreme and that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not just lesser, they have pushed it even further, that it is they are created. They are not created beings. The Bible speaks of Jesus being eternally begotten of the Father, but not created. And we will talk about what that even means. Okay? All three of these deny the Trinity. And in this distortion, God the Father is overemphasized again, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are lesser. And the last one... Try theism. I, I, I'm going heavy tonight. I understand the words. I can't get around them. If I change the words, honestly, there's a chance I might change some of the doctrine. So I don't, I don't want to do that and make the language a little bit less university. Sorry. But in this one, God is actually not a unity. It's not united. He's not united. It's actually, he's three different gods, okay? And you end up with actually three different gods, If you end up with three different gods, what do you actually end up with? Three different relations? Three different, what do we got? Starts with a W. What you do. Will. If you have three different gods, you end up with three different wills. Three different movements three different attitudes three different right and what does that begin to do it begins to tear it apart it begins to separate it and it begins to introduce disunity and discord into the trinity right so if you want to know a simply good way to discern false teaching about god if you want to know all right well how in the world do we identify this in people's language how do we identify this in my own language how do i how do i know how do i stay safe Honestly, you always look to how they treat Jesus. Every cult, every false teaching, you look at how they treat Jesus. The enemy cannot help himself. He has to lessen Jesus. The enemy cannot handle it. He has to reduce and diminish, decrease, and ultimately undivinize. Reduce Jesus to not all-powerful to someone who does not have the keys of the kingdom, to someone who does not have the ability to truly save you, and thus, why would you put your faith in someone that can't fully save you? It's the easiest trick in the book, and it is at the base of every false teaching, okay? So, the proper understanding, as the Bible says, right? The Trinity, it's very simple, but it's also incredibly not simple at all. The Father is God. The Son is God. Jesus is God, right? And the Holy Spirit is God. But the Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit. It's hopefully simple enough, but it's really, really profound and very, very endless. But the main thing is you're trying to keep God's unity. You're trying to also keep His Trinity, okay? This is the... People died for this like you wouldn't believe. To understand God rightly, we have to honor his Trinitarian nature. God is not three gods. God is not one God with two subordinate gods. And God is not a God that lies to you and wears a mask and wants you to believe it's his son, but really it's the father. It's the most manipulative way to believe. Amen? So on the screen, you should be able to see it, hopefully. Next, when we hold the unity of God's essence with the trinity of God's nature, we see God rightly. So as I wrap up, um, I know my brain hurts too whenever I think about this honestly. Every single natural illustration about God fails. Like when you search what is the trinity and you're on YouTube and you have someone offering up water or sun, it's, 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 it's somewhat helpful to have a picture in your mind, but all of those actually fail and all of them actually represent heretical, false ones we just spoke about. So in the example, some people offer up water, right? Some people illustrate the Trinity with water. Water has three states, right? Liquid, solid, uh, right? Liquid, ice, or gas. Liquid, solid, gas. All of these are water, right? So, oh, perfect. Well, in reality, actually, this reflects modalism and the, the mask, because the water can't actually be all of the forms at once as well, right? Now, some people will say, ah, at this perfect temperature that's really, really, really cold, it's actually an all of them, you know. But at the same time, throughout your daily life, you're not going to see this happen. So many examples fall apart. The closest way to illustrate what the Trinity looks like in your life, what does it actually look like in your life, um, actually comes from the same man that we discussed in our first week, St. Augustine. And uh, he came up with this idea that I actually find really profound and helpful. And I hope this is not too heady. I I think think we'll be able to get it. But it's actually very helpful. So everyone has a mind here. Everyone has a conscience or consciousness here. And then everyone has thoughts. Okay? He came up with this brilliant illustration, St. Augustine, and he said this. The Trinity is actually like our mind. And our consciousness, I keep saying conscience, consciousness, and our thought. So God the Father, this is not perfect, remember, it's not perfect, but I think it's helpful. God the Father is actually like your mind, right? Your mind is the source and the origin of everything you sense and you feel, right? Your sensory feelings, all five senses, they go to your mind, and that dictates what you sense and what you feel. Everything you think you are, everything that's creative about you comes from your mind, right? So God is like the Father, and He's like your mind. Just as the Father is the source of the Trinity, the mind is the source of your consciousness and your thought, right? Your consciousness flows from your mind. Does that make sense? And your thoughts as well. So consciousness is like Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus is both distinct from the father this is tough your consciousness you can actually feel like it's distinct from your mind because you all know that you are here there is a presentness in your in your mind but it is not the same as your mind we're getting getting really deep now sorry didn't mean for this to go philosophy class one-on-one But I'm trying to really help. The fact that this is truly at the very liminal edge of what we can perceive. It's true. That's why God is all-powerful and glorious. Amen? So, and then lastly, your thought. Okay? The Holy Spirit in the Bible is actually described as something that emanates and proceeds from the Father and the Son. So, your mind originates thoughts. And many times your thoughts, right, we would all, this is easier for us, we all feel like our thoughts have a mind of their own sometimes. We all feel like our thoughts move around and we think things and they, they feel like they emerge from something, but they have, they have a journey, right? But they all come from the mind, right? So, just as the Holy Spirit is the active presence of God in the world, thought is the active manifestation of your consciousness, right, in your mind. So... It's, it's not perfect, but it's actually somewhat helpful to actually perceive it in that way. Now, um, what did I want to say? Uh, the Trinity, you got to be careful because there is still that, you know, don't think immediately that I'm talking about the Trinity is in your mind. That's not what I'm saying. This is an illustrative moment to help you understand, right? God is not your mind. God is not you. But you see what I'm saying. So I really believe that some of this actually can affect your daily life in an incredible way. Lastly, there's some lessons we can take with the final couple minutes. There's actually some lessons, and there's so much more that we could talk about when it comes to the Trinity. I have scratched the bare surface with this. There's three lessons that I think we can learn just for tonight from the Trinity, okay? Number one, and we're gonna talk about these. We are relational like God. And we're gonna talk about God for the next six weeks. But inherently, you are like God because you were created in His image. Amen? Which means there is an ultimate relationality that you can sense when you think about God. That's because you are like God and you were created by God. You are not God. We are fallen from His presence. But there is still that link that if I am relational, it means God is relational as well. Our lives and who we are at its core is relationship-driven. We were created for relationship. We were not created for man and woman to be alone. We were created for relationship, okay? So as I said earlier, right, out of the relationship we were made, for the relationship we were made, out of that relationship of the Trinity, we were redeemed, and then for it, we were also redeemed, to be in communion with God and others, So this means you and me were actually created to look like God in all of his unity and trinity, in how we talk to people, how we live, how we embrace God, how we embrace others. The same way God is relational and his personhood is always with one another, forever in love and service and honor, so are we meant to be. It's actually at the deepest and most foundational core that the trinity asks something of you. If ultimate reality, everything at the center of the universe, ultimate reality is relationship, then when we choose to isolate, we are going against relationship and all of reality itself. And even more, this is why it is so utterly devastating when you feel lonely. When you feel lonely... It's actually not just a passing thing sometimes. There is a reason why the human heart aches, aches for relationship, for community, and how we feel brought back into sanity when we just have someone listen to us. It's like a healing balm, amen, right? Because loneliness is so against God's very, nature, and it's against the very nature of all reality itself. To be human is to relate to others, and this is the gift of our triune God. This is why Jesus emphasized everyone coming to know and believe him and receive his salvation, because then when you come to know Jesus, you're given righteousness. That means right relationship. You are brought into community. You're actually not alone anymore, and you're brought into the family of God. So we are like God in the sense that we are inherently relational. Are you with me, right? So number two, we require balance. We, re- we, we require not just balance of ourselves, but God's balance. We require God's balance, Right? If the Trinity was a three-legged stool and you took one out, right, just like the distortions, that stool is falling over. It's not going to be able to carry the weight. It's not going to be able to hold something up. It's not going to be able to do its job and its role because if you knocked one out, the purpose is gone, right? The Trinity is a three-pronged stool. It's a three-pronged table. It's something that undergirds everything else. So we as Christians right? In order to live in that reality that God is a trinity, we must also embrace the fact that we have to have balance in our life. And don't worry, I'm not talking about a Hindu understanding and I'm not talking about a passive, you know, a balance that just lets life wash over you and you're just never going to deal with anything. It's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a yogi balance. I'm talking about a balance from the Trinitarian Christian way, amen? The way that Jesus actually instructed us to be, Because when he says be tempered, be even keeled, right? Be patient, okay? It means we make disciples, we help other people encounter Jesus. And Christians often, right? We can see that today, they often stress one part of life or faith. And sometimes you can see Christians stressing one part and then completely forgetting about everything else. You can see so many extremist Christians today and human beings, right? We're very extremist, we're very one hot cold left right we just never know how to actually have balance right it's just always one thing or the other right many Christians are truthful without any grace many Christians are you know maybe loving without any doctrine they don't want to correct anyone but then if you correct nothing you allow everything right so then many Christians and many people listen without ever having any action maybe I'm lazy and I just never actually act Or maybe I, you know, only ever give force. I'm only forceful and I never have restraint. See, we are very extremist beings because sin has actually disrupted the Trinitarian balance in our life. So sin, as we'll talk about, is the very thing that makes you overextend towards yourself, towards others. And you break that out all the time and it's unleashed and then you have chaos, and then you hurt people. And then sin carries in through your bloodline, and it's terrible. But then when we come to Jesus, he not only restores right relationship, he restores the balance in your heart by forgiving your sin, right? Restoring you with all other people and all creation. Your sin has been paid for. You repent. You are forgiven. You turn from your sin, as First John says, right? And then we actually start to walk according to what God does. Says. Okay? And then lastly, the Trinity actually gives you the opportunity to be immersed in God's fullness. And that is a very, very, I don't know, like spirity word, and it's might not reach you, but that's okay. Because if you just trust and you have faith that this is actually a reality that is open to all of us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved means inherently you are brought into fullness again. You are united once again with the God that we all chose to leave. We are given this privilege as Christians to partake in the Trinitarian community of love. So God is not just a statement. He's not just a theological idea. As much as tonight was heady, it's okay. It might be informational, but if you allow it to, the Holy Spirit is ready to make this transformational in your life. Amen? So, the more we worship Jesus, the more we find ourselves caught up in the very relationship at the center of everything. His perfect Spirit, His saving Son, and the creating Father, all united together in one perfect will. Amen? So let's pray together as we break for small groups. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Podcast, a podcast out of the Young Adults Ministry of Life Church, New Jersey. If you'd like more resources from today's teaching or discussion, or maybe you'd want information for one of our many gatherings, check the show notes below and say hey over on our socials. We'd love to connect with you. We're not just listeners, we're a community. So thank you for joining us as we encounter Jesus and counter the culture.